Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is equivalent exchange. Okay, recording is happening. Okay. Save up all your good banter. <clears throat> You're supposed to tell us to do that before we start recording. <laughs> yeah, now's the time to... Yeah, now's the, now's to, the time to, <laughs> to release the banter. Bring out all your good banter. There you go, that's the one. <laughs> Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Full Metal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're looking at chapters 72 and 73. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Pride being scary continues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, a small update. Uh, we've been using the Full Metal editions up until this point, um, but I had to switch to the old version halfway through this because uh, we outpaced the Full Metal edition release. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, hoping to get the uh, the next volume, which just came out, and get a couple more chapters out of it. But um, we'll be largely switching to the uh, the old publication from here on out. So yeah. if there's some slight inconsistencies in the translations, that's why. Are you going to start calling everything Ishbal instead of Ishbal? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I may make my own tweaks to some of the <laughs> some of the official translation <laughs> from the old version. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Mm-hmm. So it's the middle. How I'm gonna miss you? I know. I know they're so nice. When they're I went so back to the nice. old version, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'm also reading mine on a digital thing. Yet last time we were talking about something, and I was like, oh, I wanted to look at this one thing on a page. You can't like just flip quickly through like a digital mm-hmm. copy. You gotta click one by one. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'll never be able to go fully like fully ebook because I like being able to like flip back really easily mm-hmm. and like be like I remember this was somewhere near the beginning-ish and like, flip through those pages like that like <laughs> the thing is that I have a lot of crap in my house so it's just that I'm very selective about the physical objects that end yeah. up there yeah. so I want the full metal one I don't want to buy the I want I like I don't want I don't want to acquire the older ones and the full metal yeah. ones or whatever mm-hmm. so it's fine for yeah, now I'm... it's fine for now yeah it's like part of me wants to uh, get rid of the old versions once I have all the full metal editions but I'd hate to lose all the little side notes, notes and stuff in there the com- mm-hmm. the ch- oh you know what is great about the old ones is that this the side comics are really funny mm-hmm. all yeah, of them it's are like really i bought the uh having some regrets about not reading them yeah i bought the like the four comma collection oh. that they put out but there's also like her little like doodles and like author's yeah. notes in there that you lose which our call was really funny just she really is <laughs> <laughs> and you're right that she like doesn't she'll write something super serious and then like parody it at the end of her own volume which is really mm-hmm. great yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, she doesn't take herself too seriously, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. And, like, the little the little panels of, like, the characters that died in that volume. <laughs> I know. Two of the funniest ones, and they're both very darkly funny, but um, mm-hmm. is in the the volume with Nina. They have yes. Nina and Alexander going up to heaven, and then uh, show Tucker, like, burning in hell underneath. And he's, like, the only <laughs> character she ever shows <laughs> burning in hell. In hell. <laughs> he deserves it, and, that's for yeah. sure. And then in the Ishval War volume, you have, like... It has, like, the rock bells, but they're, like, watching, like, a ton of little figures going up to heaven because so many people died in that volume. And you're like, oh, that's terrible, but I'm still laughing. It's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This one is the one that had the, I mentioned it last time, has the the forcoma of um, Black Ayate peeing on pride as, like, a shadow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It also has one that's, like, Yoki bargaining with the truth and the truth takes his hair and he's like anything yeah. with that or whatever <laughs> 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 
And it's also got like the sketch of like Kimberly in our cargo and be being like, I always feel like people in white suits are weirdos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to be, you don't have to be weird to wear a white suit, but you have to be fastidious, which I think makes sense mm -hmm. for Kimberly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't think I really noticed that that was kind of a character trait of his until this time, but like he's complains about people like messing up his clothes on like more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he's all just, he wants everything to be executed perfectly yeah. all the time mm -hmm. even this time he said like or not he uh his goons i can't remember their names right now i wrote their names down zampano and zapano and gelso or gerso this version says gelso but you know whatever yeah. gerso i think the uh the one on the um the proper one is gerso yeah the one on the like title cards in the anime say gerso and zampano okay. so yeah so they, those are generally uh, held to be the official spellings so mm-hmm they, uh, one of them was like, Kimberly, Kimberly will kill us because we messed up his mission or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. so. He just, yeah, I think he just demands everything to be executed just so, perfectly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he seemed really, really pissed off later when Scar mm -hmm. gets away. This was like his moment. And, uh, anyway, but we'll talk yeah. about <laughs> it, I guess. <laughs> You're like, save it for the discussion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, uh. If you notice any inconsistencies, or if you're reading this later, and you, or if you're listening to this later, and you have all the Full Metal Edition volumes, you're going, that's not what it says. Uh, that's <laughs> why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll get into our usual thing. We'll do our recap on 72 and 73, and then discuss what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter 72 picks up back with Riza after a confrontation with Pride. The shadows of the city seem newly stark and terrifying, seeming to lurk behind her as she walks home. She opens the door to her dark apartment and flinches as she sees a pair of glowing eyes staring out at her. But it's only Black Hayate, happy to see his master return. Riza lets out a shaky sigh as she turns on the lights. She closes the door behind her and slumps down to the floor, resting her head in her hands as Pride's threat to her echoes in her mind. Hayate sniffs at her hands, concerned, and she mumbles, I'm fine. But the sudden shrill ring of the phone makes her flinch again. She stands and slowly goes to answer it, handshaking as she grasps the receiver. Hello, she says cautiously. A familiar voice cheerfully says, Good evening, madam. The flowers you ordered are ready for delivery. I never ordered any flowers, Risa says grumpily. All right, sorry, Roy says from the payphone on the other end of the line. I got drunk and bought a ton of flowers. I'd be really grateful if you'd help me get rid of some. Riza sighs shakily as he speaks, coming down from the high anxiety, and Roy catches it immediately. What's wrong? he asks, startling her. Did something happen? No, sir. It's nothing, she says. Really? Are you sure? Yes, sir. I'm sure, she insists. About the flowers, sir. I don't own a vase. Thank you for calling, Colonel. She hangs up and smiles, reaching down to scratch behind Hayate's ears. How does he have such uncanny timing, she wonders. On the other end of the line, Roy frowns down at the phone in his hand, clearly worried. Out in the abandoned mining town of Baskul, the group of Ed, Al, Winry, May, Marco, and Yoki have settled down to talk. Our groups are starting to get unwieldy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ed and Al thank Marco for the information he gave them many, many chapters ago. The Marco insists that he hasn't done anything worthy of gratitude. Did you find out more about the Philosopher's Stone? He asks. Uh-huh. We learned about the way it's made, too. Marco looks down with shame, but Ed adds, Thanks to you, we found out about a lot of things. There's something rotten about this country, and its alchemy. 
That's why we wanted to find May, so we could find out more about Sheen's purification arts. It's alkahestry. I see, Marco says, digging out the notes from Scar's brother out of his coat. I'm glad you're here. Maybe now we can sort things out. Between May's knowledge and these notes, if only Scar was here. And I'll start to mention that they're supposed to be chasing Scar right now, when a loud sound suddenly reverberates from outside. Everyone goes to look out the windows, wondering what it was, and Ed tells everyone to stay hidden while he and Al check it out. The army's here looking for Scar, Al says. Sounds like they might have found him. Winry looks concerned as she watches them leave. Scar, she murmurs to herself. That noise indeed came from Scar, who is currently fighting against the Chimera soldiers serving Kimberly. He's having difficulty, both because of his opponent's enhanced abilities and because they know about his usual tricks. They're fast enough to keep out of range, so he can't use his destruction alchemy on their bodies, and they fire at him with long-distance attacks, the toad-like one firing gross sticky spit and the boar porcupine guy launching the spikes from his back. <laughs> Scar tries to bail by destroying the ground underneath him for an escape route, but they know about that move too, and the toad chimera launches a gob of spit that adheres Scar's hand to the ground as he tries it. While he's immobilized, the other one fires off around his spikes that shred through Scar's other arm, leaving him bleeding. We'll just stay back here and give you a beat down from a distance, they taunt. Then, when you're all worn out, we'll hand you over to Mr. Kimberly. It's at this point that Ed and Al arrive. They take in the scene and quickly realize that the Chimeras wearing blue military uniforms must be Kimberly's men from Central. Though they quickly decide to pretend not to have figured that out when the Chimeras <laughs> start to talk to them. Ah, monsters! They shriek, punching and kicking at the boar Chimera. Hey, what the hell are you doing? We're your allies. Our allies aren't freaky-looking guys like you, Al shouts. And they start fretting about how the scary monsters are trying to trick them so they can eat them. <laughs> the toad guy tries to use his spit to hold them still, but Ed is able to dodge easily, moving with a speed that surprises his opponent. And Ed, too, apparently, as he begins to laugh with delight as he dances through the fight. They're so light, he cries to the heavens, kicking his leg up. My new arm and leg feel as light as feathers. This cold-weather automail is fantastic. He then immediately overbalances, and Al sighs in exasperation as he watches. Now that he's lighter, it'll be harder for him to balance, of course. What a moron. Ed discovers the other trade-off when the Chimera gets up again without much trouble, even after a punch to the face. Uh-oh, my speed went up, but my strength went down, Ed realizes. The Chimera takes this opportunity to spit at Ed's arm. Ha-ha-ha, my saliva doesn't come off easily, he taunts. Ed is pretty grossed out by the drool, but he does realize that that means it's mostly made of water. He slides behind the chimera and uses alchemy to deconstruct it down and throw it on his back, where it immediately starts to freeze in the cold air. Eat this, Ed shouts, and then kicks Al into the chimera's back. Wet tongue on freezing flagpole special attack! <laughs> Al complains about being kicked around, while the chimera complains about the risk of his skin ripping off. And then the other chimera cuts in, shouting at Ed that they're supposed to be on the same side. You look like some kind of evil monster, Ed says. <laughs> if you're on our side, prove it. All right, then, I'll prove it. I'll transform back in. But Ed just takes the opportunity to jump in and kick him down. Ha! Only a fool shoots his weapon in the presence of an enemy, he gloats. <laughs> Meanwhile, Al puts the other guy in a chokehold to knock him down. This little tussle has unfortunately given Scar enough time to free himself from the drool trap, and he stands up to <laughs> face off with Ed now. So, once again, you dogs of the military have come to hunt me down, Scar says, clutching at his injured arm. You're not getting away this time, Scar, the brothers say. Give yourself up and accept your punishment. Scar naturally doesn't do that, so they launch into a fight. Ed charges straight in, striking with his automail fist. Scar scoffs at this foolish move and meets it head on, crying, Your right arm of steel is mine. But as Ed recently learned, cold weather automail isn't made of steel. 
You took the bait, Ed says, and quickly strikes out with a kick to Scar's legs. Scar jumps back, and Ed now prepared to transmute, but Scar uses his destruction alchemy on the ground to knock them back and half-bury them in debris. He closes in and looms over the brothers, preparing to finish them off. Ed's eyes widen, but then he notices something even more alarming. Winry has followed them to the room and is standing just outside the entryway. Scar notices her too, and it throws him off his guard. He stops short, flinching back, and it gives Ed and Al a chance to retaliate. They knock him down and quickly transmute the floor and debris around Scar's right arm, restraining him in his powers. You idiot! What are you doing here? Ed shouts at Winry over his shoulder. Winry starts to move forward, but a hand on her shoulder holds her back. Miles and his squad have arrived. The soldiers spread out to secure the area and are a little freaked out by the unconscious chimeras. Blue military uniforms. They must be from Central City, Miles says. It seems our superiors are conducting some strange experiments indeed. They're Kimberly's men, Ed and Al say it with feigned innocence. We had no idea. <laughs> Miles and the other soldiers smile. Don't worry, you don't have to lie to us. All of us, including Major General Armstrong, are on your side. Huh? But didn't you go over to Raven's side? Lieutenant General Raven is missing, Miles says. What a shame. <laughs> he orders the Camara soldiers tied up, then draws his gun and approaches Scar. Well now, Scar, he says. It pains me to punish one of my own people, but I can't allow someone like you to go free. One of your own, Scar repeats. Miles turns to thank Ed now for the assistance in the capture and says they'll take it from here. But then to everyone's surprise, Winry strides forward right towards Scar. Ed and Al immediately grab for her shoulders to hold her back, crying, Don't go near him! But Winry just says, Let me go. It's all right. It's not even close to all right, Ed shouts. Let me speak to him, she says. I've always wanted to talk to him face to face. No one can deny her that, so Winry steps forward and asks, Why did you kill my mom and dad? Everyone is silent for a moment. Then Scar answers, Anything I say will only sound like an excuse. Outside the door, we see that Marco and May have also followed and are listening as Scar continues. It's true that I killed the doctor couple, the Rockbells. I have no right to say anything about that. Young girl, you have every right to take my life in vengeance. Winry stares down at him, saying nothing. Then she walks toward the piles of debris in the room and pulls out a scrap of cloth and a thin piece of wood. She kneels down in front of Scar. Your arm. If it isn't bound, you'll bleed to death. And to everyone's surprise, especially Scar's, she begins to affix a tourniquet to his arm above his injuries. This is what my parents would have done, she says as she tightens it. Mom and Dad saved his life. That has to mean something. So you forgive me? Scar asks. Winry glares at him. Don't misunderstand me. I haven't forgiven your cruelty. Scar's eyes go wide, and he remembers his old master speaking to him about the difference between forgiving and enduring. It's our duty as human beings to be angry at injustice but we must also endure it, because someone must sever this chain of hatred. And he remembers his brother talking about trying to fill the world with positive feelings instead of negative ones to turn the flow of the world positive. He lowers his gaze as Winry finishes the tourniquet, stands, and steps back. Everyone is silent for a moment, then Miles quietly gives the order to call into base and report Scar's capture. Ed now moved closer to Winry, looking at her with concern, but she says, I'm all right, I won't cry. She gives Ed a small smile. After all, we promised that if I ever cried again, it would be out of happiness. Ed looks down. He puts his hand on top of Winry's head and pulls her close, and keeps his arm protectively around her shoulders as he turns to glare at Scar along with Al. Whether or not Winry forgives you, nothing would please us more than beating you down and dragging you in front of the Rockbell's graves. Scar keeps his head down and doesn't respond to them. 
After a moment, he turns his attention to Miles. There's one thing I want to ask you, he says. You said that you're one of my people. Why? It's true. My grandfather was a Shvalin, Miles answers. He pulls off his dark glasses and adds, I wish we could have met under different circumstances, my red-eyed brother. If you're of Ishvalan blood, then why do you fight for the Amestrian military? Miles pauses, then with a determined look answers, so that I can change people's attitudes toward Ishvalans from within this country. People's hearts won't change so easily, Scar says. True, I don't know how long it will take. But being of mixed blood, there are some things that only I can do. I am like a pebble that's been cast into a large pond, and that pond is the Amestrian military. The pebbles' ripples start small, but eventually they'll spread throughout the pond. He slides his glasses back on and adds, Also, there was someone who convinced me that it would be a good thing to devote my life to the military. Ironically, that person was pure-blooded Amestrian. Scar looks down again, shamed. I am the ooze born from the open, gaping wound that was Ishval. I neither pray to God nor appeal to him. Ooze deserves no forgiveness, and I will burn until I'm left dead in a ditch like the scum that I am. I'm glad to know that there's someone like you in the world. Miles moves over to the communications officer and finally calls into base. We located Scar in building D5. Target is currently detained, requesting reinforcements. Kimberly and his squad start to move out. The wind howls, and one of the brig's troops notices the weather is starting to turn. It's going to get real bad out here very soon, sir. And Kimberly hurries them on. Back with the others, Miles turns his attention back to Scar. No matter what circumstances led you down this road, I can't allow you to go free. Admit your crimes and accept your punishment. He turns to Winry and tells her she needs to leave before Kimberly arrives. Before anyone can do anything, though, Marco and May suddenly enter the room. W wait Marco says. Please don't take him. We cut suddenly to the outside of the building, where an explosion bursts through the walls right as Kimberly's team arrives. Ed comes skidding out of the building, knocked back by the force of the blast. He jumps to his feet and starts screaming at Kimberly. You bastard! Why didn't you make Winry stay at the base where you could have kept an eye on her? Kimberly reacts with surprise then looks up to see Scar standing on top of the building, when Ray held limp under his arm. That's the end of Chapter 72. Oh, <laughs> I just realized something. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, of course they knew that Winry disappeared, because Al took him, but, like, they are feigning ignorance that she, like, they left her with Kimberly when they went to run off. No, well, Kimberly... Kimberly gave her permission to come with them. That, too, yeah. But I mean, I don't like. Yeah, they because they left with two of Kimberly's goons, mm -hmm. and now left with two of Kimberly's goons because they were like, I think they wanted to, Winry to stay at their like temporary base or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they're pretending uh, that as far as they knew, she was still at. She the, was there, uh, temporary base. Oh, it's a temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But I think they're uh, also saying like, why did you let her come at all? Why did you let her come here at you all? Have yeah. Stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, what oh, the so hell, they were, Kimberly? They were, kind of, <laughs> they were kind of part of that, weren't they? Yeah. At least they were there when, like, she was... Yeah, they helped her, like, gone, with her story so, to come along, too, so... Yeah. yeah. They're just it's pretending. All it's like, we had no idea something would happen. You should, yeah. You should have been the responsible one. Yeah. <laughs> I see. It's okay, Cosm. It's explained in the next chapter. <laughs> in detail. <Fair> <laughs> chapter 73 opens back with Buccaneer and the others in Sloth's Tunnel, where they've just managed to stumble their way back to the entrance. It took much longer than expected, because the traumatized rescued soldiers insisted they turn the lanterns out to keep the monster from coming back. The men note that they're definitely outside their allotted 24-hour window, and they know that their Ice Queen would have sealed the entrance immediately after they passed it. 
We're alive, aren't we? Buccaneer says. If worse comes to worse, I'll dig us out of here myself with this right arm of mine. But when he knocks on the trap door, it opens immediately. Welcome back, sir, says the soldier up top. Everyone hurries to climb up, bringing up the recovered bodies of the fallen and sending the survivors off to see the medic. When everyone is out, Buccaneer turns to the soldier who'd been watching the door. I thought I told you to seal off the hole after 24 hours. I know that, sir, but according to this watch, it hasn't been 24 hours yet. Buccaneer squints at the watch he holds up. Looks like it's broken. What? How strange. By the way, I got this watch from Major General Armstrong. Buccaneer and Henschel look at each other in surprise. A little later, Buccaneer finds the general sitting atop the wall, overlooking her domain. <laughs> she says, Buccaneer, don't go into that shadowy place. Yeah. Everything the light touches is our domain. <laughs> the sniffer goes there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said it backwards. Yeah. Everything the light touches is our domain, but you must never go into that shadowy place. <laughs> Buccaneer, she greets him. You're so late coming back, I almost gave you up for dead. He laughs. Sorry to disappoint you, sir. Guess you're stuck with me. Jessifee found the scouting party, and he tells her that there were only two survivors. Buccaneer then asks what she's doing up here, and Olivia answers that she's looking at the mountains, covered in snow and casting stark shadows. Briggs is at its best in winter. Everything becomes black and white. I love the simplicity of it. But Buccaneer points out that that's not quite true. If you look up, you can also see the blue of the sky. Nothing in the world is purely black and white, including the hearts of men. He grins. Or women, as the case may be. Thanks for showing us soldiers some mercy. She smiles. Hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. This rare sweet moment is quickly interrupted, however, as the two notice the arrival of several military cars down below. Soldiers exit the cars and approach the fort's guards. We're here from Central City HQ, the one in charge announces. We have business with your commander. Next we head back to our friends in Baskool, a little before Kimberly arrived. Miles sums up the situation they have to contend with. They can't let anyone know Marco is here. They can't let Scar get taken in, because they need him to translate research notes. Winry needs to be freed from her hostage situation, and the enemy can't find out the Elric brothers had anything to do with any of it. Plus, Miles is still supposed to bring the Alka history girl back to Briggs. He decides that the best option would be for the whole group to get back to Briggs and hide out there, though Ed very vehemently protests Scar coming along with them. You want those research notes translated, right? Miles points out. Something big is about to go down, and whatever it is, it affects more than Briggs. It can't be ignored. He turns back to Scar. If you promise to cooperate, I'll postpone your punishment. Scar agrees to go along with their plans, and when Miles asks how they can know he's not lying, Scar says, I swear on the blood of Ishval, my red-eyed brother. And that's enough for Miles. He turns to Winry. I'm sorry, miss. You'll have to wait a bit longer for your justice. Winry frowns slightly, but just says, okay. Kimberly's Camara soldiers start to come to then, catching everyone's attention. I forgot all about those two, Miles says. They're of no use to us. Eliminate them. Al immediately jumps in to protest this. You don't have to kill them, do you? Isn't there another way? The Camaras scoff at this compassion. We don't need your pity. With a body like this, there's no chance of us ever leading a normal life again anyway. It's our time to die, so just kill us. Al looks down and away. Don't you guys have a family? Loved ones? They say that they do, but their families were told they were dead when they were given these bodies. Of course they want to see them again, but how can they, looking like this? So you guys don't want to get your old bodies back? Al asks. You're happy with the bodies you're in now? Of course we want our old bodies back, they shout. Al leans toward them. So don't say it's hopeless and just give up. You haven't even considered the possibility that you might be able to get your original bodies back. 
The Toad Chimera starts to get annoyed. How could you possibly understand what it's like for us? Al takes off his helmet, revealing his empty body. I know all about it, because this is my body. The Chimeras are obviously shocked by this, and they say that Al's situation seems even worse than theirs. If anyone should give up, it's you. You'll never have a normal body again. I don't believe in never, Al says, replacing his helmet. Hope keeps me going, and finally, Hope has given us a lead on how we might get our bodies back. No matter how many years it takes, I won't give up. So please don't say that you're going to give up. The Chimeras fall silent, thoughtful, and the storm outside suddenly begins to rage more violently, blowing in the half-rotted door. The brig soldiers turn to Miles. This is bad, Major. If the storm gets any worse, we won't be able to leave town. Miles grits his teeth in frustration. We're not equipped to survive on foot in a blizzard. Damn it, it looks like we're trapped. Then Yoki, to literally everyone's surprise, actually makes a useful <laughs> contribution. <laughs> this is a mining town, right? Then we should take the underground tunnels. When everyone stares in disbelief, he adds, What? You see, in a mine this big, there has to be a tunnel that leads to the other side of the mountain. That's it, Ed and Al shout, and Yoki begins to preen. <laughs> don't <laughs> underestimate a former owner of a coal mine. <laughs> Miles consults a map and confirms that Yoki is right. There is a tunnel, and it exits closer to Briggs, meaning that if they can stall Kimbley for a while, the others will be able to get there first. Miles writes out a note explaining the situation for any Briggs troops they run into and hands it to Marco, who says that all that's left is to figure out how to solve Winry's situation without incriminating the Elric brothers. Kimbley is a suspicious man, Miles says. We'll have to be fully committed to our strategy. Winry frowns in thought for a moment, then hesitantly suggests, Maybe we can make it look like Scar has taken me hostage. When Ed and Al stare at her in disbelief, she elaborates, You and the others will pretend to be desperately trying to save me as Scar carries me away. Ed and Al, understandably, don't love this idea, shouting that it's way too dangerous for her. But Winry shouts back that their lives are already in danger right now, and they have to take some risks to get free. You said that I was already involved in all of this, didn't you? It's not fair for you two to always carry the entire burden. And Miles points out the time pressure on this decision. Kimbley is on his way, and the blizzard is getting worse. They'll be trapped if they don't do something soon. Ed grimaces in frustration, but he clearly doesn't have any good argument against the idea, especially in the face of Winry's fiercely determined expression. Outside, Kimbley's squad has arrived, and Ed clenches his fists. He said once that in order to accomplish an objective, sometimes it's necessary to put one's feelings aside. Now I understand what you meant, old man Fu. Ah, damn it, he shouts to the sky. Then he whirls around to glare at Scar. I swear, if you betray us, he snarls. I understand, Scar says. I will honor my agreement. Ed uses his alchemy to free Scar's arm, and he stands up. As everyone prepares to move out, the Chimeras shout, Wait, if you're escaping, take us with you. I know you don't trust us, so you don't even have to undo our restraints. But Mr. Kimberly has no mercy toward those who fail to carry out his orders. He'll kill us for sure. If there's any way for us to get our original bodies back, I don't want to give up hope. Marco steps forward to give them a warning. If you guys do anything to hinder us, you know that this country could be destroyed, don't you? That includes your loved ones. This is obviously news to the Camaros, who react with distress. The Central City military never told us that. Tell us more. I'll help you as much as I can. Take us along. The brig soldiers release them, allowing them to return to their more human forms, though they keep their hands bound for now as a precaution. Then everyone quickly prepares to execute their plan. You'd better hurry, Scar. I have faith in your acting skills, Miles says, mm -hmm. then offers a salute. Go. Stay true to your oath, sworn on the blood of Ishfall. Marco drags May along, who is very upset to be parted from her beloved <laughs> Alphonse so soon. <laughs> <laughs> and a Briggs soldier stops Winry on her way upstairs. Wait a sec, miss. Your earrings. 
They're metal, right? Your ears will get frostbitten if you don't take them off. Winry hurries to do so, as Ed passes by, telling her to hurry. She stops him and hands him her earrings. Hold these for me, she says. I'll be waiting for you back at the fort. Ed holds them tight in his hand. Uh, all right, he promises. Now, we'll blame Kimberly for Scar's escape and for neglecting to keep a close enough watch on Miss Rockbell, Miles says. And we cut back to where the last chapter left off, with Kimberly looking up to find Scar glaring down at him from the roof of the building. Long time no see, Kimberly, Scar says. It seems the tables have turned since we first met. Kimberly, remembering that first meeting when he was the one standing above, becomes furious. Ed runs in and grabs Kimberly by the collar. You bastard! I thought you had someone keeping an eye on Winry. We finally had Scar cornered, but we had to let him go because he took her hostage. Al, Miles, and the Briggs troops also come running up. Can't you keep an eye on one little girl, Miles demands. It was your job to keep Miss Rockbell in protective custody. But Kimberly is completely focused on Scar. Let me go, he says quietly. And to Ed's horror, he pulls off his gloves in preparation to use his explosive alchemy. Ed hastily grabs for his wrist to keep his hands apart. What are you trying to do, Crimson Lotus Alchemist? Scar interrupts this with his own alchemy, blowing up a part of the roof and sending debris crashing down. Ed and Kimberly dodge back, and Scar makes his escape. Kimberly tries to pursue, shouting, Scar, I order you to stop! But one of the soldiers holds him back, as the damage from Scar and the howling wind of the storm has the building ready to collapse. They call for the retreat as the storm whips up and everyone falls back. As he walks beside Ed and Al, Miles quietly remarks, That was some great acting on your part. I wasn't acting, Ed says with a scowl. I really am boiling with anger at having to trust Scar with Winry's life. Behind them, Kimberly glares fiercely after Scar before finally joining the retreat. A little later, Scar's group has entered the tunnels. Yoki is giving everyone a briefing on mine safety. Keep to the paths where you can feel a breeze, because stale air means a dead end and possibly poison gas. Meanwhile, Marco is talking to Winry. So you're the Rockbell doctor's daughter. They were well known on the battlefront. You're brave, just like them. They would be proud. No, not at all, Winry says, looking worried. I put myself into danger, and I don't even know when I'll be able to get home. I let down my boss and my customers in Rush Valley. I disappeared without so much as a phone call. I'm pathetic. This moment of self-doubt seems to resonate with May as well, as she slows down and lags behind for a moment. May, what's wrong? Marco and Winry ask. Back in my country, my entire family is waiting for me, but I can't go home either, she says, looking down at Xiaomei. Up ahead, Yoki leads the group to a tunnel inspector station, where he rummages through old files to find a detailed map of the tunnels. He finds a path through, which greatly impresses the Chimera soldiers, and Yoki basks in the praise. <laughs> He's like, finally, the recognition, yeah, for I, for... the recognition I've deserved for all these chapters. And for once he earned it, for, yeah. for real this time. <laughs> Back with the others, Marco notes that May hasn't asked him anything about the Philosopher's Stone in a while. I, I don't want it anymore, she says. It would be wrong for me to use something that was made by sacrificing people's lives. But even if I just brought back the knowledge and not the stone itself, His Majesty wouldn't hesitate to recreate it. With his imperial power, he could easily gather a large number of people to sacrifice. Yoki calls for everyone to hurry up, and Marco smiles at May to try and reassure her. Soon as we're safe, let's read through those research notes again and see if we can decipher them. Maybe then you'll find the information you're looking for. May returns the smile. Okay. As the group moves on, the Chimeras ask Marco if the notes might have anything about how to get their original bodies back. It's possible. After all, it's a type of alchemy we know nothing about. Really? Now you got my hopes up. Back above ground, Kimberly's group have found a secure building to hunker down in and wait out the storm. 
Kimberly soldiers complain that they won't be going anywhere anytime soon, and they wonder what happened to Zambano and Gerso, our two new Camara buddies. Maybe Scar killed them, or they got stuck in the snowstorm. The Briggs soldiers point out that Scar can't move in this either, so he should still be in the city, and they suggest to Kimberly that they plan their next search in the meantime. Miles thinks to himself that the snowstorm really saved them, and he hopes the others make it to Briggs while Kimberly is still stuck. These hopes are then immediately crushed when he gets an apparently unpleasant urgent call from the fort. He hangs up and then takes the Elder brothers aside to tell them what he's just learned. Major General Armstrong has been called to Central City. A group of men from Central arrived at Fort Briggs. Kimberly must have told the Fuhrer or something. I saw him making a lot of phone calls back at the fort. Wait a sec, Ed says. If the Major General is gone, then a commander who's loyal to Bradley will most likely be instated in her place, Miles confirms. This unfortunately means that Winry and the others are likely heading right into the enemy's hands, and they have no way to warn them. Ed starts to say he'll take his chances in the storm and go after them, but the Briggs men shut him down. Don't underestimate a blizzard. Before you know it, it'll sap all your energy and you'll freeze to death. End of story. Al stares out the window at the storm for a moment, then says, There is a way. He turns to the others and points to himself. There's one body that doesn't tire and won't freeze to death. Mine. A little bit later, Al, out in the blizzard, seems to be slightly regretting his choices. Geez, this is tough, he says, struggling against the wind and blinding snow. I can't see ten feet in front of me. He pauses to consult his map and compass, remembering Miles' advice to wait for the wind to die down, then find the next mile marker and move towards it. He spots the marker and starts to move forward, but the wind immediately picks up again. Everything is white. I can't see a thing, he cries. And then the whiteness of the snow becomes something else, a familiar void opening in front of him. Al spots his own malnourished body standing in front of a set of huge doors. It reaches out to him, and almost as if in a trance, Al reaches back. Then he jolts back into himself in the real world, the wind striking against him. What was that? He wonders, grabbing at his head. Was that my physical body? Why? He looks down at his shaking hands and suddenly remembers Barry the Chopper talking Barry. about the... <laughs> R.I.P. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks down at his shaking hands and suddenly remembers Barry the Chopper talking about the inevitability of an incompatible soul and body rejecting each other. Normally this body wouldn't have a soul inside it, so it's being rejected. My physical body is pulling my soul towards it? Al clutches at his head again. Get a hold of yourself, he mutters. He gets up and continues trudging through the snow. I've got to go faster. And way back in the tunnels underneath Central, Father is sitting on his pipe-and-wire-filled throne, arranging pieces on a board as though he's playing a strange game of chess. He calls out names as he places each piece at the corner of a five-pointed array. Edward Elric, Alphonse Elric, and von Hohenheim. The next piece he tips over, placing it on its side. The brother's teacher, Izumi Curtis, is another possibility. He pauses, staring down at the last empty corner. And finally... One more person. And that's the end of chapter 73. Wow. I love the weird little pieces you've got for all these characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's some kind of weird voodoo tabletop game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have little, like, skulls and little things. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so Al's, I think, has the horn, kind of like his armor does. Actually, I just want to look at them. Yeah. Um, Hohenheim's is a weird, I don't know, Jack it's skeleton like a, looking kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it looks it like a, a scarecrow sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. It has it has cloth on it. Like it has like a little shawl. Well, I guess all of them do, but Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does look like a Jack Skellington. And then Ed's looks 
uh, like it matches his taste. I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna say it it's be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alpha Edward has the two horns. Al has yeah. one horn. Yep. Yeah, I see. And then Azumi's... can't really tell what Azumi's is. Azumi has like a snake thing. It has around a snake it. on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last one doesn't have one. There's no fifth. Yep. Interesting. But Greedling is also sitting there prominently in the background. So yeah, yeah. he's just kind of chilling with the uh, guard Camaros pipes. <laughs> oh yeah. It looks like he's actually like scratching one's chin. Now that you mentioned, yeah, <laughs> he's also wearing a greed outfit now. Mm-hmm. Something oh, he yes. would wear. I mean, I guess he has been for a while, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got the fancy suit going on, leather pants and a long coat, a long black mm-hmm. coat. I'm not sure enough chest to be greed. <laughs> <laughs> Did greed show his chest? I don't remember. I think, so. <laughs> I, I think uh, he had yeah, like yeah, that... opened up like j- leather jacket with like he had that like. Tank top thing going on underneath. Oh, that's what he like. He showed off his arms. He was. He was. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he uh, invited everyone to the gun show. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't there showing off his chest all the time. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That's what Ling used to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's true, actually. (laughs) Ling had a pretty open shirt, and then he, well, he, until he became greed, his shirt was being used to bandage Lancon's arm. That's why Mm -hmm. he wasn't wearing it all that time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he had like random like clothes that they had laying around after that yeah and then they got sucked into gluttony so oh right yeah he probably got something from the hideout or whatever mm-hmm. so some cool chapters yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes there was a lot of things that happened mm-hmm. as usual yeah like it started with risa it was completely mm-hmm. different in a completely different place in time <laughs> yeah it feels yeah. like <laughs> yeah 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 I love that little moment. It's like, um, it's good. Like Roy and Risa have a lot of like really big, dramatic life or death moments, but I think this is like one of my favorites between them. Mm-hmm. She's so like, freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sees like Black Hayate's eyes in the darkness, mm-hmm. and then like kind of freaks out. And then when she's yeah. you, could, I didn't, I didn't notice last time. I know you mentioned it that you could see that her wrist was like bruised from the shadow, but her mm-hmm. neck is also bruised. Yeah. This time, if you look in the when she's talking mm-hmm. to him on the phone and stuff, mm-hmm. I think it just yeah, shows yeah. like how uh, how much in danger she was, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But how like just talking to him on the phone for a bit obviously calms her down a whole bunch, and he could tell immediately that something was wrong. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like still sweating on the call, or maybe like mm-hmm. it looks like her lip like trembles or something. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if she was like, you know, I don't I don't think she's crying, but her she's still shaking. I guess. At yeah. Least. We've talked a lot about her use of shadows, Arakawa's, and yeah. um, how it's very, I guess, unique. Um, and another thing is that, like, the, the beginning chapters, or not chapters, the beginning of each chapter, the first couple of pages tend to be with a black mm-hmm. border outline. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of on, like, a white page, it's a black page. And I feel like, no, I mean, this is, I think, the first time we've brought it up, but there's been several times where that really accentuates what is happening during the those few pages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems actually, like a lot of times it's like a brief flashback at the beginning, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what that indicates. Cause like, like not like a full-on flashback usually, but like like in a couple chapters ago, we had like Winry arriving at the end of one chapter, and then the next mm-hmm. chapter had yeah. like her like arrival at HQ and being taken to the fort. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. especially in this one, the just having it in that format really does help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like all the like the use of like the ordinary shadows and the first couple panels mm-hmm. that are like uh, like much more threatening now after yeah the whole pride thing like it has her own shadow and like just the shadow of the alleyway and mm-hmm. like the shadow of like a dark stairwell and yeah, very mundane. This is why I was saying like it reminded me of like the Weeping Angels. Things that are very mundane and literally everywhere are now scary. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the use of uh, Hayate's glowing eyes. And- oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do dogs also have glowing eyes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they have I'm the, the uh, what do you call it? Reflecty eyes. Yeah, there's a word for it. I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people technically also have reflecty eyes, I guess. If mm-hmm. you get if you capture somebody's retina just right with a flash, then mm-hmm. it'll yeah. glow. Mm-hmm. But... Like dogs and cats are uh, nocturnal or semi-nocturnal, so they have eyes that can that do that in the dark. Interesting. <laughs> that shoot light out of them. I mean, yes. <laughs> so you're saying dogs have laser beams for eyes? That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's the t- the tapetum lucidum. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a something reflective in their. Yes, yeah, the reflective uh, layer. Oh, they have a special layer, mm-hmm. a layer of tissue in many vertebrates lying immediately behind the retina. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. It reflects visible light. Back through the retina, increasing the light available to photoreceptors. Oh. Contributes to superior night vision. Oh. Anyway, this has been Science Corner, I guess. Yeah. It's like actual Science Corner, not... not, <laughs> not Esoteric uh, bullshit. Esoteric bullshit corner, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point is Rizzo is scared, and yes, she had a call. Uh, Roy called her, and was, I feel like he, she was like, thanks for calling or whatever, and seemed mm-hmm. like she was calmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cute. Like, yeah, and she like smiles and pets Hayate and is like, how does he have such good timing? <laughs> and now he's like, I still have a bunch of flowers though. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's also kind of cute that he just like, like that that was his immediate thing is to like call her and be like, can you take some of these flowers? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, who do I know who I can get rid of some of these flowers? Mm-hmm. I feel like it implies that like, I mean, obviously we know that, but like they have like a relationship outside of the like military stuff. But like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not surprised that he called her for something stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He called her for something stupid before. (laughs) Didn't he? I forget. Well, she called him when she Uh... found Barry the Chopper and was like, Sir, I found something (laughs) strange. (laughs) He did call for something, but I feel like it was a code or something. You know, like, yeah, they did the the Elizabeth uh, thing during the. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Their, like, secret plan. (laughs) Yes. I guess he's never called her at this time. Plus, they're all being surveilled. She, when he's <laughs> yeah. on the phone, she looks down at like the shadow under the table and is like, "Bye. I don't. <laughs> I can't take any of your flowers yeah. or whatever." So, mm-hmm. I really uh, enjoy the plot of Winry volunteering to be Scar's hostage to get mm-hmm. away from the military. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. And yeah, it was I love her that. idea, I think. Yeah, I love that Winry gets to, like, solve her own, like, hostage situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is, uh, this whole bit is a bit of a culmination of the, the like, mini-arc of, like, Ed learning to, like, communicate better and trust Winry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start, even starting back in the previous chapters where, like, he was just like, I'm just gonna tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And it's also a good... Uh, probably a good culmination of Winry 
taking a, just a more active role in helping the people that she cares about because she's mm-hmm. like the kind of I don't know if it's the end but it's definitely development in the sense that she's not just like waiting for them to come back to the fort right yeah yeah so mm-hmm. um, it is interesting um I, I realize that Scar is traveling now with two doctors mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> That's Marco. True. yeah, yeah. That's good because they're always getting beat up. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she bandaged his arm. That mm-hmm. was nice. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I was like, who knows where that cloth is from? We shouldn't use that. Although it was a tourniquet, not a bandage, I guess. So it's yeah, it's not touching true, yeah. anything. <laughs> it's just keeping him from bleeding to death. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Yeah. <laughs> looked like a pretty accurate tourniquet for what I looked at for like a makeshift. She put a stick in it? style. Are you supposed yeah. to put a stick? Yeah, it, like keeps it like tight without like completely cutting it off or something oh okay but, i don't um, know yeah i don't know i googled like like makeshift tourniquet or something and like several of them had to like stick in there oh. i'm not a i'm not a field medic i, uh, <laughs> I know you I mean, I do took... that with broken bones and stuff to, to try and keep it from mm-hmm. like yeah splinted too much but yeah yeah i, uh, yeah, I mean i took first aid a long time ago but i haven't taken it in many years mm-hmm. yeah but i never learned the stick method i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah even like um like official ones have Something like that in there. Oh, you mean like if you buy a bandage that's meant for a tourniquet, it would have something uh, <laughs> stick-ish in it? <laughs> yeah, just from my Google image search. <laughs> if I Google tourniquet, is it going to give me the Evanescence song? That's the most <laughs> Well, today I learned. Mm-hmm. First we learned about Capitum Lucidum, mm-hmm. and now we learned about how to do a tourniquet. <laughs> But what's cool is that Winry was like, Winry took charge of her own escape from mm-hmm. being used as a, a to manipulate Ed now, which is great. Her own hostage situation, as you said, mm-hmm. by playing as being a hostage in another hostage situation, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was also the conversation before Winry did the bandage. Um, she wanted to talk to Scar, and he asked why. She asked why he killed her parents and she says that he she hasn't forgiven him and scar remembered like his master talking about enduring rather than mm-hmm. giving violence and also about his brother talking about you know being not continuing this cycle of negativity mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that was nice yeah. uh, it was good they had an interesting connection i guess yeah and it seemed to I guess means means something to Scar. It was valuable to Scar since he yeah pulled up those mm-hmm. memories of people that he cares about. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like um, I think this is these are topics that the series has a lot to say about and has mm. like mm. brought up several times before. The yeah, whole, like the nature of forgiveness and the cycle of violence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Scar has a kind of a mm. negative opinion of himself. He was also like I'm. He said this whole long rant. I'm ooze born yeah. from the open gaping wound oh, yeah. that was Ishval and I don't I I don't pray or appeal to Ishval ooze deserves no forgiveness and I will mm-hmm. burn until I'm left dead in a ditch like the scum I am or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we talked a long time ago about how Scar has decided that he's taking on this role as like a bringer of vengeance and that that's why he cast away his name and all these other things yeah. that's why he sees himself in this way so mm-hmm. I guess that's just validation of that yeah. Yeah, and I love that um, that he and Miles get to talk. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they they go about it in very different, like you know, almost opposite ways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Um, and I mean, I think there is a point that like uh, Scar says, hearts and change hearts won't change so easily, and like. I don't know really how what effect Miles is gonna have on big picture, because mm. um, I mean you know he, he is only one person. He mostly interacts with the people in Briggs. They're the people whose minds are gonna change. Yeah, maybe they'll change minds over time as well, slowly. But like, I don't know. Um, yeah, but I like murdering it's... a bunch of people isn't necessarily the oh, right abso- approach either. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if it like it's. For Scar, it's vengeance. It's not trying to change. Like he's not That's trying true. to bring about change. He's trying. He seems like he's looking for like retribution. Yeah. Whereas Miles is like, by devoting myself to the military, I can be a small change toward a, a yeah. bigger change. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's nice that Olivier had that impact on him, which is what he mentioned. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A pure blooded, a pure blooded Amestrian was the one who convinced me of that, or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like he also he does have the ear of someone very powerful in the military. It's like yeah, that's Olivia true. is very high ranking, so that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And like the whole point that she made to him earlier on was that like she needs people like him in order to like have a varied view as a leader, and so mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like the um, the opposite direction kind of idea of like Roy's whole like protecting the people below you kind of thing mm-hmm. of like affecting the people above you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. During the escape, Ed remembered what Fu told him about putting his feelings aside to oh, yeah. move things forward, which was good. Mm-hmm. And when we gave Ed her yeah, earrings, these are important things that yeah. I wanted we to say. <laughs> seen or heard about Fu in a while. I know. It's kind of it's kind of nice to have a reminder, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that guy. I wish Lanfan was here. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. although Fu was good too. Somebody yeah. need. Somebody needs to give Ed a talking to, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Ed's face before he says that. It's like, he's like twisted up grimace as he like really yeah. doesn't want to admit that this is the only plan they have. <laughs> yeah. Well, Winry's just like staring at him, determined. Mm-hmm. And they have like it's two a, seconds. It's a good hour car expression. So. <laughs> yeah. He has some really good expressions in that scene, like, but ranging from serious and good to like really funny and, ser- yeah. and like mm-hmm. uh, angry. <laughs> Yeah. I love when Ed and Al are both screaming at her, like, no way! And they both have, like, pointy teeth. Like, Al's arm yeah. <laughs> is pointy, and then Ed's teeth are pointy. Anyway, it's stuff like that. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's sweet that, like, uh, like after Winry's confrontation with Scar, he, like, puts his hand on her head mm-hmm. and everything. It's cute. Yeah, and they both ask if she's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He kind of, like, whisks her away. He, like, has her mm-hmm. his arm around her shoulders or whatever when, after, yeah. the, after she talks to him. Yeah, like, a, like I think we've seen... In that, like, brief flashback during the Ishval volumes, that, like, baby Ed also, like, put his hand comfortingly on Winry- on baby Winry's head mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's just what you do. <laughs> 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 the earrings bit is cute, especially in light of the, uh, the bonus chapter that I talked about a while ago, where, like, he bought her most of those earrings. This, like, appeals to not be angry when he broke his automail. It's <laughs> <laughs> cute. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking as a person who lives in Canada, your ears definitely will get colder if you have piercings in them. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm. I've personally experienced it. It is very uncomfortable. Yeah. It seems cold. It seems very cold and breaks. It seems like none of them are ever dressed right, except for like the soldiers and their like actual equipment. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> like Winter's just wearing like a wool coat. <laughs> 
Yeah, the bracelets are like, oh my god, these <laughs> rookies are Stupid all going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miles is like, oh, we can't walk in a blizzard. We're not equipped to walk in a blizzard. You weren't equipped to go in the freaking snow in the first place. Like, none of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway. And it's like, I'll go out in the blizzard. And they're like, dude, don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you don't do that? <laughs> he's going to get blown away now that he's so light with new automail. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's lots of practical knowledge on... Uh... The effects of weather on metal in the series. <laughs> <laughs> Our car grew up in Hokkaido. Hokkaido has a similar temperature to Toronto, I think. So, mm, yeah, I think she would know. <laughs> it's chilly. I've never mm. personally gotten frostbite from piercings, but they are cold. It's really yeah, cold. I don't think it's, it's quite really as cold, cold as Briggs. I don't in, think in, in where you are in Toronto. I don't think so. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Briggs is all in the mountains and shit. Yeah, yeah. I do love those little details, though. Just like. I know. It's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like if you walk through the desert with a metal arm, it's going to make you really hot. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you go into the freezing cold with metal with on your piercings. body, it's going to risk Yeah, it's going to give you frostbite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they constantly it's get like, stopped by blizzards all the time. Yeah. 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 It's like there's a lot of series that I done that I think would never, ever think about, like, removing a character's earrings before they went out in the snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say something else about the snow. What was it? Does that have to do with Alan the snow? Oh, no, I just, I what I like is that they, so what I like is that Arakawa also keeps drawing them with, like, um breath, like, you can see their breath all the time. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah It's such yeah. A, a minor detail, like, you don't have to have it, but it's constantly there. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a very detailed approach to, to, to work, to the work, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I guess Rinri's, they're all loose. Well, they all, they made it to the tunnels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Yoki. He finally did something helpful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about the Chimeras. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you know which one is which? Jerso uh, is the... Jerso. Uh, Jerso is, is the, the frog guy? guy, and Zampano uh, okay. is the, the boar Spunky guy. Spunky guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They finally have I was names like, that Those can guys. refer to them with names. <laughs> yeah. I I guess they didn't have names before. They were I just called them Kimberly's goons before, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And the other ones, only one of them is named. <laughs> we know Darius, but not the other one yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. Give them names. I never notice how long <laughs> characters go without names until I'm trying to write summaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like I know when like we first went to Dublin. I was like, I'm just I'm like his name is Sig. I'm just gonna call him Sig right now because yeah, it's a long time before oh, yeah, we actually yeah, yeah. hear that his name is Sig. <laughs> His name is Sig. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, so the frog guy. I, you just told me I already forgot. Gerso. Gerso, yeah. <laughs> um, he has, like, the goopy spit that can stick people to things, stick things, stick some mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the other guy can shoot spikes. And they really roughed up Scar. They really mm-hmm. got him good. Like, his arm was really messed up. Winter said he's yeah. going to bleed to death, so. Mm-hmm. I really loved how Ed and Al pretended they were monsters. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, which is like wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, we're on your were. side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then I like the added detail when the other, when Miles and the other two soldiers come in, they're like, whoa, what's up with those guys? So they were also freaked out. So, I mean, it was a legitimate rea- fake reaction, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. That's like how Ed is like legit grossed out by the Smith thing. He's just like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I don't like spit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Ed used it his advantage to stick him to Al, which was really funny also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought Al was always just like mildly grumpy about like parts of his body being used. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Could you give me a it's warning? Like my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't throw my head. 
I feel like taking his head off is uh, moderately dangerous since this blood seal is like right underneath it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's lasted this far. I feel like it's somewhat durable. I don't know if it's like infused with the armor or something like that. So it like it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's probably safe from like rain or something. Mm-hmm. It's more danger of like damage to the armor that would split somebody it. would have like, to yeah. chop it the, or something. Yeah, like yeah. the uh, Slicer Brothers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lust mm-hmm. uh, stabbed through the seal and that broke it, so. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Barry scratched his mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So, like, I think, yeah, it actually takes, like, some, was it elbow grease? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little something bit. Like yeah. you got to be yeah, the uh, a, a mm-hmm. homunculus weapon for it to work, Yeah, I guess. they made some mention of, like, the iron in the suit being... Like bound to the iron and the blood, and so I feel like, oh, like that you makes probably sense. couldn't you probably couldn't just like rub it off, but it's just a powder coat, dan- I see, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like there's danger in the that piece of armor getting broken, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense, and there was I mean similar Martel's blood fused with it, and that caused some sort of reaction, mm-hmm. yeah, um, unless it was just a shock, no one will know that's true, <laughs> probably both, <laughs> I mean yeah. both. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of weird things that happened to Al, he also <laughs> saw his body. Yeah. Yes, this time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Before that, he also sassed the two chimeras, the the uh, Oh yeah, and, yeah. So, the, and was like, he, he "No, don't you have talk. families?" <laughs> yeah. Well, it was part sass, part pep talk. Yeah. Or he was like, "Hope keeps me going." He's an aggressive pep like, talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But he inspired them to want to help out or whatever so that's mm-hmm. good or at least as far as we can tell so that's good yeah but they volunteered to be continue to stay bound so whatever mm-hmm. yeah i like how marco's like if you fuck things up everyone's gonna die <laughs> and they were like well what <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they didn't tell us that yeah no shit <laughs> probably didn't tell you you were gonna be like hideous chimera monsters either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like our military isn't trustworthy <laughs> <laughs> they're like they told our families we're dead what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when Al was out in the snow, he like it he thinks that I guess he saw his physical body and started reaching out to it. And I like the like glow like going out of the eyes of the armor and stuff. It was really mm-hmm. spooky. Yeah. And I guess he thinks that the armor's starting to reject his soul or something, but he's not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So or I don't know. I'm not I don't know, but that's what he said. So, and yeah. he was, he's worried about it, obviously. So now that's a threat that's come back. Great. Mm-hmm. Just what we yeah. needed right now. <laughs> yeah. I do like how the, like, the whiteout condition of the blizzard, like, transitions into the, mm-hmm. the white void. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder what it is about that situation that kind of, like, made that happen. I guess maybe mm-hmm. it's just, it is the, like, whiteness or the strain or whatever. Because he's saying even for him, it's hard to, like, get through the blizzard and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though he never gets tired and never, never needs to sleep or... You know, anything like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. maybe there's still some strain involved. It was nice to see Barry again for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I was yawning, so I couldn't laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like I know. It's, uh, Barry. This word's still haunting Al after all this time. <laughs> One thing that was interesting in these chapters that's unrelated to Al, uh, but kind of related, is that Maze is, is related in that. <laughs> That Al, Al and Ed have their quest to get their bodies back, and then May is on the quest for the Philosopher's Stone or whatever, or some kind of immortality. But she mm-hmm. was really worried about going back to Sheen now that she knows 
what the deal is with the philosopher's stone it's like she can't mm-hmm. really it's like damned if you do damned if you don't like she all her family's counting on her to like mm-hmm. research this but now that she knows that she can't bring it back because she knows the emperor will just like use it and doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. want that yeah that was a pretty dark little bit it's like yeah the emperor wouldn't hesitate to sacrifice a bunch of people and it's like Eesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean well i believe it i don't know whatever yeah mm-hmm. emperors historically not great people so. <laughs> <laughs> also i mean he sent all his teen children to go and find or whatever you know there's mm-hmm. there's enough of a power jockeying situation in sheen that all the clans are sending their you know their representatives for tribute to find the mm-hmm. philosopher's stone so yeah um so yeah it seems like there's a the situation there's not that great mm-hmm. except for maria ross who's living it up according to foo you know <laughs> yes. maybe it's not that great for the children of the emperor or whatever the people who yeah it seems like if you're involved in politics it's probably not fun no. um yeah. probably not Mm-hmm. One other thing I have to say about May is that she had a little Xiaomei in her coat, which was cute. That's the only other mm-hmm. thing I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love the little, like, worried look they share with each other during mm-hmm. that scene. <laughs> yeah. I like how Marco was like, it'll be okay. Let's go through the notes again. Like, that was so nice. Dr. Mm-hmm. Marco was so mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Well, that was something else that I noticed is that um, he seems to be very social, I guess, now. I mean, True. Like, you, you saw him before. Um, you know, I guess when he first started, he was pretty uh, friendly with his town and all of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, he lost a lot of that, and you know, he's getting that, that back now. So the people that he cares about, some friends and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of alone for Yeah, a while. he's kind of become, like, reconnected to mm-hmm. the world and, like, probably feels yeah. like he has a purpose other than, like, I'm terrible and should die. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Translating the notes, I guess this is new, like goal or whatever. I guess. Yeah, he's probably giving trying him to hope find a way to stop like, things. Yeah, something he can do positive. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Probably. They believe there's some kind of key in there to do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we have such an interesting group right now. We got. I know. <laughs> Scar, Yoki, Marco, May, Winry, and Kimberly's two Chimera goons. You're <laughs> so <laughs> in Zampano. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how Winry got stuck with him. Mm-hmm. I guess like Ed, Ed and Nell are just trusting that they'll take care of her, which is probably a good call. But mm-hmm. they don't really know them that well, you know. Like they kind of yeah. know Doctor Marco, mm-hmm. and but they don't even really know May. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, been, well, they're not like, really happy about it before like, too. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. true. Like Ed even says, he's like, "I wasn't acting. I really am like mm. furious yeah. that I have to like." leave these people in charge of Winry's life. Oh. Like, <laughs> I didn't even make any notes about Kimberly, but that scene is also really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks so pissed off. He's so, so mad. mad that Scar Scar's in power now. Like Scar's the one on the top of the building or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of like change roles, which is really good, first of all. And then he mm-hmm. he like barely listens to Ed. He like almost ignores everything that Ed is saying. And it's good that Ed is there to hold his arms apart. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I think Winry would have gotten blown up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, because all he cares about is getting rid of Scar. Mm-hmm. So I both interpreted as Ed saying, yeah, he said he's not happy about um, about Scar, about Winry being taken by Scar. But I mean, also, like, he's like, what are you up to, Crimson Lotus Alchemist or whatever? Like, I take mm-hmm. that as all of that as being not acting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
he saw the um he his eyes look really wide when he sees the transmutation circles on Kimberly's hands. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I would be concerned <laughs> based oh, yeah. on oh yeah, because Riza told him that he blew up a bunch of shit. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think Ed knows, so it's a good thing that Ed was there to hold his arms apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, um, when they're le- when they're all retreating because of the storm, Kimberly looks so pissed off. He looks mm-hmm. so cheesed. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting because like. You know, Kimberly's mostly been in like fairly normal, charming guy <laughs> um, mode for the past several chapters. Yeah, he but... hasn't been in like cuckoo caca mode yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been in like single-minded he's... determination to murder a specific person mode for a while. Yes. Yeah, he's... like he said, it's like if you know you're crazy, you can fake it. But uh... yeah, <laughs> he's trying to be smooth, and he's trying mm-hmm. to be smooth with, especially with Winry around and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. At least that's my take. Yeah, because so he's mostly succeeded, but this is obviously a, a trigger point for him. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a failure again. This yeah. is the second time. It would be the third time that uh, Scar got away from him, mm-hmm. right? He said no, this, yeah, the well, second yeah. time was the train. This is the third time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he looks so burned, mm-hmm. so annoyed. It was, which was great. It gave me great joy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just for the record. Yeah, I also think um, in this version when. After Scar points out that their positions have been switched, like since mm-hmm. the first time they met, uh, in this version it just is like, "How dare you?" But I'm pretty sure in like other versions I've seen, he said like, "Don't look down on me." Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene very much for multiple reasons. One, because Winry is a badass. Two, mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. Ed stopped Kimberly from being crazy. And then three, because Scar was able to get the one up on him for a second time, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like later, loser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, if he if if Ed wasn't there to 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 stop Kimberly, and he did carry out, like he would have gotten Scar, but he possibly would have killed Winry. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, I think he one hundred percent would have killed Winry. I don't think he gives a shit yeah. about her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I'm wondering is with his orders and all that, like, I mean, I guess probably Scar takes priority. And do you think there would have been any consequence for him killing Winry? I think he probably would have been in trouble for that. I don't think he cares much, but yeah, he was already in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, True. Well, but he might have gotten in trouble with the yeah. I mean, with the uh, because, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't use her as a hostage if she's dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, because because what I was gonna say, and I mean, it kind of uh, heavily relies on the fact that like his mission is also to keep Winry alive. Mm-hmm. Is that for the most part? I mean, he's been a fairly consistent character, right? Mm-hmm. Do like take pride in your work. You know what you signed up for. Like, uh, and I feel like for him, uh, and, and we were talking about earlier how he, uh, you know, has attention to detail and l- wants things to go perfectly and smoothly, and like he he takes pride in that. And I feel like this is probably the first time I feel like I've seen him slip up and sort of let his emotions get control over him and sort of lose that aspect of his personality in favor of, um, I guess that rage and, um, superiority, something like that. I think it still fits his like personal motivations. I don't think he cares much about like the, uh, like necessarily the specific orders he's given. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he like, like when he was in Ishval, he was like, everything's dandy because the orders to kill everyone perfectly aligned with my desires to kill everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, which is why, like, once the, like, war was ending, he was just like, okay, I'm going to blow everyone up so I can keep this Philosopher's Stone. 
mm-hmm. even if it'll put me in jail. And so, like, now it's yeah. like his <clears throat> his primary motivation this whole time has been to get Scar. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's like bad writing or anything. It, it, it absolutely fits his character, but I do think that it's it does because, like, I mean, he was t- talking to the other soldiers, like, basically, the orders don't match what you want to do this is your job, this is what you signed up for, this is what you basically ask to be in, by becoming a soldier. And I feel like, you know, you flip that back on him now, it's like, if you were to tell him that, he would have been like, I don't care, I'm killing Scar. And it's, like... Yeah. Well, I think like part of his thing with the, what he was telling the other soldiers, too, was like, if you don't like it, then, like, do something about it. So, like, I mean, in this case, it's just like, mm-hmm. he's like, well, I don't care about that part of the order, so... Yeah, I see, okay, that makes sense. Do, rather than, and like, I don't... That's true, yeah. Was yeah. his... I mean, did he even really have orders to protect Winry? Like... I mean, and that, that's I another... I mean, I did say that, that that my argument does kind of hinge on that. Mm-hmm. How how important is keeping Winry alive to their plan? Yeah, so, I would assume that there's... Somewhat important to the homogenous. Yeah, guy. like, I, I, I also agree that, like, he'd probably get in some trouble, but, but the fact that he took Scar out probably would... Scar is significantly... more of a threat because Scar knows about their plans and he's not afraid to blow people up. And also, yeah, Scar's been messing with their plans for a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. too. Like since yeah. his earliest appearance, they're like the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, they're running out of people who. If if Scar kills Ed now, which he probably wouldn't at this point, but if he did, which might be why the I wonder why the homunculi want to take him out. Like, is that why? Or is it just because he knows about their plan? Well, he knows that there's. I think he's just going been down. Like... Yeah, uh, I think he's been like interrupting their stuff a lot, like in general. Yeah, like, they keep talking about him like getting in the way. Like even back in the like first when he first showed up, he like they were even separate from like Ed and Al. They were like fighting with him. He's like their roadrunner. He's always <laughs> messing up their plans. And I guess yeah, last time <laughs> they really encountered Scar was him trying to kill Ed and Al as they were baiting out Gluttony. So, yeah, I mean, I as far so. as they know, he's still a very possible threat to their plan. Yeah, and he killing. has, like, directly threatened, like, three of their potential sacrifices with between mm-hmm. Ed, Al, and Roy. Roy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Mm-hmm. But, like, other than that, it doesn't seem like a huge hassle for, for them. If he if he disappeared, they, I think they would be like, all right, fine, like, mm-hmm. put Kimberly yeah. back in jail, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, if... If they lost the ability to manipulate Ed now by losing Winry, that might be worse. A worse, that might be worse for them. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Winry yeah. looks so tiny when she's being carried by Scar. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean, he's a well-built fish male. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the story is big. Winry's normal sized. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, when. May is walking next to Winry. I was like, May is so short. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She's so I guess she's so young, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She, she she seems small too. So yeah, maybe her growth is stunted, like Xiao Mei. <laughs> That's why they part of maybe she's like so just old enough not to have had a growth spurt yet or something. Yeah. You know, I think she's supposed to be like twelve, which is kind of like yeah, at that age where. You could yeah. be one or the other, you know, yeah. like you could be you could really be like, tall. Yeah, you could be you seven could be... feet tall or you could still be like four feet tall. Like... <laughs> hanging, hanging on to your, your youth, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the only other thing that I have to talk about is Armstrong and the watch and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the tunnel oh. crew. I yeah. can't believe they walked back in complete darkness. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe, I, I mean, mean I'm, I'm impressed that they made it back in complete darkness. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
I mean, it's one path, right? It's just a circle. So you yeah, get but there there's eventually. like tracks. There's like That's mining true. tracks and and rocks. Well, I mean, it it took some time. Yeah, it yeah. also like but, yeah, it they had to carry dug, bodies. It's being dug by a dude. Like it's not going to be a smooth <laughs> surface. That's true. That's yeah, no. Mm-hmm. But yes, but yeah, we but saw then the, the, the guy waiting. Secret gooey up inside again. Yes, <laughs> she wanted them to come back. She wouldn't wait for them to come back. Mm-hmm. So she gave a watch that didn't work right or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, there was something I wanted to mention. Just something I realized uh, about Armstrong mm-hmm. is that um, you know they call her the Wall of Briggs, right? Like mm-hmm. that name is. Matanas for both the wall itself and her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of realized the, like, just how apt that description is. Because she's got, like, a cold atmosphere, but, like, uh, a steel body, you know, mm-hmm. very hard and sturdy, and a warm heart at the center, mm-hmm. or in the case of Fort Briggs in the basement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't absolutely. know. Just... She's protecting the, the people yeah. mm-hmm. underneath her. Yeah. It looks um, intimidating on the outside, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's homey on the inside. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You just got to find the right part on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to down where the tunnel is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Can I make a Grinch reference? Is it too early for another Christmas movie reference? <laughs> <laughs> Her heart doesn't need to grow, though. It's big enough. Mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> See, I did it. You didn't You didn't believe in me, but I brought, <laughs> I brought back another Christmas movie. Oh, I believed in you. <laughs> have you seen the grinch cosm i have okay that good. one i'm familiar with yeah only the jim carrey one though Ugh, unacceptable <laughs> you're so disappointing cosm <laughs> <laughs> you should have just left your sentence suffer story one sentence earlier <laughs> no i've seen i think i've seen them both I've, i'm gonna write I've, a strongly worded letter to your girlfriend about no, if, what if, you need to do if, this christmas <laughs> <laughs> the one I I think of, I saw the Jim Carrey one like once, and I don't remember if it was like in full or I like saw parts of it. <laughs> but I did. I have seen the Dr. Seuss one several times. Wait, okay, so you have seen the Dr. Seuss one? Yes, yes, yes. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> wow, you knew how to make me angry, and that makes me even angrier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like well, anyway, you still like have to watch a... Rudolph, though. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, you like how we get a. <laughs> so, I like how we get like a direct, like personal, like moment between her and her like yeah. top two people. Mm-hmm. Like we got the one with Miles earlier on with the flashback, and now we have the one with Buccaneer. So it's like, uh-huh. like we see why, especially those two in particular, are so loyal to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad she got taken away to Central. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... And that they replaced the people in the fort with people from Central. That's not good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy with the. Questionable mustache. <laughs> That's how you know he's evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're probably all chimeras. I mean, let's be real at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I everyone's a chimera. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, like, you saw it with Raven and now with this guy, you can see, like, the random Briggs people, like, looking suspicious in the background. <laughs> it's like, I don't mm-hmm. like these people. <laughs> they they do. The Briggs fort seems very separated from the rest of the army and it mm-hmm. sounds like yeah. it seems like they like it that way like they yeah. like being under olivier's you know uh directorship yeah. and um command command yes under yeah. olivier's yeah. command there, there that's the word <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a military person Does, <laughs> is that is that obvious <laughs> 
and um and by that i mean i don't know anything about the military um <laughs> but like even she couldn't deny the Fuhrer's like request for Kimberly and whoever to go and I liked how I think it was last time she was like how on what grounds are you making this extremely self-serving request <laughs> for Scar and um mm. it was from I guess Kimberly had permission from the Fuhrer so she couldn't really deny it so now in this case yeah. it's like she this all this crew has come and she has to leave so that'll be interesting I don't know, I don't know yeah. it's not good no at least Al was able to go out in the snow Hopefully he'll be able to mm. warn them. Mm -hmm. I'm still really impressed that Yoki was useful for once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice that at least he had a moment to shine at least mm -hmm. once. Yeah. Um. But that's that's the that's the one. I don't I don't need any more. No, that's yeah. enough. Good. Yeah. I know that makes perfect sense that he would know that. Like it's. A, oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah It's yeah, a very yeah, logical yeah. way for him to be helpful. And he like mm -hmm. finds the map. He's like, oh, let's go to the like station. There'll be a surveying station. We'll look mm -hmm. for maps in the surveying station. Like he knows all these things, so. It's yeah. useful. It's just funny. Yeah. It's also like, it's like, oh, good for you. You actually did know something about the town you ran, even if you were corrupt. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> asshole. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was impressed. Yeah. That was how pleased he is to get praise again. Like, <laughs> Of course. Because <laughs> he spent like the last like 60 some chapters. Like, <laughs> not getting it down. <laughs> yeah, I'd like for him to go back to that role, though, because I liked mm -hmm. it, but that's fine. <laughs> he could have his one moment. That's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe he'll be the hero of the story, guys. In the final battle, it'll be Yoki versus father. I feel like it's still entertaining just because of how disbelieving everyone was that he was helpful. Yeah. The fact that the people who are praising him are the chimeras who don't know him. Yeah, exactly. They're like, wow, cool, you know so much. Wow. And everyone else is like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. Maybe the fifth person on the circle is Yoki. Yeah. Father's like, I just need w one more. When will my prince come? <laughs> and then he has images of Yoki like uh, May had of Al. <laughs> yeah. <Just> like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Al, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I don't think so. There wasn't anything yeah, else I that I wanted to talk about. Covered everything. Touched on everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yay, it was a good time. Yeah. I'm glad they got those guys out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Now we can stay out of the scary tunnel forever, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> have no reason to ever Reassure go back me. there again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the tunnel's connected to Father's Lair, so I'm sure we'll be back there at some point, but whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, fine. it's like technically we're technically they're also in the tunnel, I guess. <laughs> you think Sloth dug them all? I hundred percent think that Sloth dug them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. So much work. But dying is also work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it like 400 years when the, ago the country was made? So he's probably been doing this for pretty close to that. Yeah, probably for a long time ago. Yeah. From, yeah. from a long time. Yeah. I relate to Sloth on a deep level. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they said that the country was created to create this transmutation circle. Yeah. So yeah. it seems like Sloth has been building these tunnels all this time. So yeah, mm -hmm. he probably dug everything out. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I also relate to Sloth on a deep spiritual level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's so much work, <laughs> but dying is also work. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what are we gonna read next time? We... Oh yeah, we do that. <laughs> yeah. It's our one segment, Cossum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the only consistent. Yes, uh, we are gonna read seventy-four and seventy-five. All Woo! right, mm -hmm. edging closer and closer to our next three-parter. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but not yet. No. Well, that'll be a good time. 
Yep. Whatever happens next time. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. <laughs> nothing bad at all. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad ever happens in the series. Nope. No bad We're not hurting toward a whole, like, ta- country being turned into a philosopher's stone or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember, that's not the plan. Oh, right. That's not right. the plan. <laughs> We've been told that several times. That is not the plan. So nothing is going to happen to the people. Yeah. The, the philosopher's stone transmutation is just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's just a giant circle encompassing the entire country and fueled by bloodshed. Nothing bad from that. <laughs> I don't believe you guys. Stop mocking me. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, 74, 75 next week. Uh, Woo. Until then, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. All right. Well, thank you too. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Bowie. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he did it on cue this time. He did. <laughs> That's impressive. He only interrupted you many times before that. Thank <laughs> you.